Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to spring cleaning. We're talking about deep cleaning our spiritual life like we do our homes. And today, I wanna talk about deep cleaning, this thing we call consecration. And consecration is when we bring our life to a point to where we're totally surrendered to God, and we just say, God, you own me. And all I wanna do is live and please you and love you and pursue you. And that is a place God wants to bring all of us. And even if we're there, it can wane. So we wanna just talk about how to spring clean our consecration, what we need in order to be consecrated. And I believe it's the best Father's Day gift I could ever give a father or give anybody that's listening. And it's, it's what I want for everyone that's hearing my voice right now. If you were to ask me, what's your motive, Pastor Joe? What do you want from me? Sometimes people think, you know, we want their money. Sometimes people think we want that free volunteer hours, you know. No, the number one motive I have for everybody listening to my voice, anybody that calls believers home, is to bring you to a place of consecration. And if I can bring you to a place of consecration, then God's gonna do the rest and you're gonna end up being who God wants you to be, what God wants you to be. But not everybody thinks of church that way. It reminds me of a story. I, I have an uncle who's now in heaven, my Uncle Joe, but he was one of the people I looked to to be mentored uh, on the business side of things. And I just wanna share his story before I share the story. Um, he came here from Italy. He was born in Parma, Italy. That's where Parmesan cheese comes from, by the way. And he immigrated here when he was 18. And he went to New York City, and he became involved in the food industry, catering and uh, restaurants, and he just learned the food industry. Then he moved out to L.A., and he ended up buying this deli in L.A. called Casablanca, which was in Burbank, and it was really a landmark in Burbank. That's where NBC Studios were, Burbank, uh, 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 there in California. And Uncle Joe ended up catering a lot of their, their events, so he catered for all these people, Bob Hope and Johnny Carson and Jay Leno, and then he'd do parties at their house. But then he expanded and he began to import products from Italy, and then he distributed them. And he had a distributorship for all of L.A. County, and that's where I was headed before I met Jesus. I was going to go out there. They had no children. My Aunt Rose is my dad's sister, and she's still alive, but Uncle Joe's in heaven now. But uh, I was going to go take over and, and buy that off of him, and then God dealt with me to go to Bible school. So just so you have a picture of Uncle Joe, uh, he, he, he spoke a little bit broken English with a New York accent, and then he always talked really deep. And then he also was just funny. He was a very funny person. And so they decided to visit us. They're driving from California to Ohio to see my parents, and they stop in Oklahoma at Bible school. And I, I show Uncle Joe, Tony and I, my brother Tony's my roommate in Bible school, and uh, we show him the campus, and we're so proud of it. We end up in our apartment, which is part of student housing, right across from uh, the, the Bible school, and we're looking out my balcony window, and I had a view of the pool, and it's summertime, and students are swimming, and Uncle Joe just looks at me, and here's the first thing he says. He goes, what do I gotta do to get in this racket, Joey? And I said, what do you mean, what racket? He goes, 
this nonprofit racket. He goes, will you ordain me, Joey, so I can, I can save taxes? He goes, I'm paying too many taxes. I want this, this racket. He goes, what do I do to get in this racket? And I go, Uncle Joe, it's not a racket, man. Uh, he goes, come on, Joey, it's a racket. I go, no, and I can't ordain you. And then we look outside. He says, you see all those students? I said, yeah. He said, the law percentages say some of them are in it for the racket. He goes, he goes, maybe even the people that have the Bible school, they're in it for the racket. And I'm going, Uncle Joe, they're not. He goes, I know you and Tony. I know your hearts are good. He goes, but not everybody out there is here for the right motive. And I share the story because I think that's how people look at churches, right? And they look at pastors. Uh, you're after our money. You're after this. You're after that. And so I share that story about my Uncle Joe, uh, who's now in heaven. But I share that story about him because I really think a lot of people look at church that way. And guys, here's the number one motive I'm after and most pastors are after. We wanna bring you to a place to where you're 100% consecrated. And if I can bring you to that place, God will do the rest. And I have a big idea for this lesson. It's what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. A consecrated life is your best life. And all of us want to know, how can I live my best life? I'm telling you, the best life you could ever live, the, the most fulfilling life, the most content life, the happiest life, the most joyful life, the most peaceful life is a consecrated life. And it doesn't mean you won't go through the storms of life, the troubles of life, but when you consecrate your life, you end up living the best life. And I'll show you why in just a couple moments. But if you were to ask me this question, who are the happiest people on planet Earth? You know what I would say? You're going to be surprised. I wouldn't say Christians. I would say consecrated Christians. They're, they're the happiest people on planet Earth because they're surrendered to God. If you were to ask me who's the most unhappy people on planet Earth, I wouldn't say non-Christians. They're pretty unhappy sometimes, but I wouldn't say non-Christians. You know what I'd say? Christians who aren't consecrated to God, because here's what happens. If you're a Christian who isn't consecrated to God, you know what God says, but you know you're not doing it. You know what the Bible teaches, but you know you're not doing it. You're not following God, and, and it bothers your conscience. So most unhappy people on planet Earth, non-consecrated Christian. Happiest people on planet Earth, consecrated Christian. And you'll end up living your best life, and it's an amazing life. So we want to talk about being consecrated to God. And again, I think it's the best Father's Day gift I can give everybody here, and I can give to everyone, fathers or not. And I want to show you a picture of what consecration looks like. This is Romans 12, verse 1, and it goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and we'll just stop right there. He just finished chapters 1 through 11, and you know what they talk about? The mercies of God. You can't work for your salvation. There's no condemnation for those that are Christians. Uh, you're washed by the blood. It comes by faith. And he just shared all these incredible concepts. Uh, you're dead to sin. You're alive unto God. And now he says, in light of that, here's what God would like you to do. It's, it's going to allow you to live your best life, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is a picture of consecration. It comes out in a hundred different ways as we read the Bible and we find out what God has to say. But here's the basis of consecration. My life is a sacrifice to you, Lord. I live this life and I surrender it to you. And all I want to do, Lord God, is what you want me to do. That's a consecrated life. And I'll tell you what, we can, we can walk away from that. That's why we have to spring clean. We can be right on, and then life happens. We can walk away a little bit. So that's why I'm excited about this weekend. And then notice what he says about that. He goes on to finish, this is your true 
and your proper worship. Another way to translate the Greek, this is the highest level of worship. So in two weeks, uh, on the fourth weekend, uh, you know, we'll have just that one 11 a.m. service, and we'll do traditional here in Warren 2 at 10. Um, I'm really excited about it because the subject that weekend is worship. We're going to talk about what we did when we started our service, singing and worshiping God. So important in our lives. You're going to love it. But guys, you know what's even a higher level of worship than singing to the Lord? Offering your body as a living sacrifice consecrating yourself. So it's the most wonderful thing we can do. But what's cool about it is it enables us to live our best life. Will we have troubles? Yeah. Will we walk through troubles in life and storm? Yeah. But you'll walk through it with peace and joy. And then God will show up. God's amazing. So here's the two things we must take care of, uh, deep clean, in order to live a life of consecration. Here's the first one, guys. And it just simply goes like this. A consecrated life begins with trust. And when you hear the word trust, we, we all think of so many things. So uh, in preparing for this, I just asked myself, what's a picture I can paint? What's a story I can tell that will help us understand what trust is? And this came to mind, my three-year-old granddaughter, Ophelia. And uh, let me just show you two things that she does. And I just think it paints a picture of perfect trust in the Lord. Uh, and it's how we want to be with God. But she'll come over our house and, and she'll see me and she'll run to me with her, just run with her hands open saying, Poppy, Poppy. And then I pick her up and she gives me the biggest hug and she just puts her head on my shoulders and hugs me. And then she does the craziest thing. She pushes away and falls to the ground with her face like this. Now, I allow her to do it. I, I, you know, I, I let go, but here's why she does it. I catch her in my arms, and then I do the airplane with her, and I go, let's be an airplane, and zoom, and I say, give grandma a kiss. She gives grandma a kiss. Then I zoom her around the house, and she's giggling. Now, here's why I share this story. Guys, she falls down. She's not nervous. She trusts I'm going to catch her. She just falls and just starts heading for the floor. Her face could hit the floor, but she trusts Poppy's arms are going to catch me. And I really believe that's what God wants you and I to do with him. We trust that if we say, if we do what he asks us to do in the Bible, if we follow him as he deals with our hearts how to live and serve him, he's going to catch us every time in his arms. And we're never going to hurt ourselves. It's going to end up being our best life. But then she does another thing. She'll, I'll be sitting down. She'll put her feet here, her head there. She's laying on her back and she says, Poppy, flip me. So I grab her by the knees and I pick her up. So her head's down here and she's facing out and she's just suspended in air. She's not afraid. She's not saying, let me go, put me down. She's just giggling. She goes, flip me, flip me, Poppy. Don't make me stay here forever, flip me. So then I flip her and I do a complete flip and then I catch her in my arms and she just giggles and then it's always, do it again, do it again. It's like, I can only do it so many times, man. This, this is a high, high energy game, right? So she's not afraid, but then Gina usually goes, don't do that. You're going to drop her. And I'm like, I'm okay. She's okay. Maybe with my great-grandchildren, I won't do it by then. My hands might not be as strong, but I'm cool. But here's why I share the picture. She's hanging upside down, and she's trusting me. She's flipped, total flip, and she trusts me. Can you imagine a giant picking us up and doing that? We'd be like, we'd be afraid. And then flipping us, whoa. But she totally trusts me that I won't drop her. And here's what God's saying to us. He's saying, I want you to trust me that if you follow what I ask you to do, if you follow what I deal with your heart to be and serve me the way I want you to serve me and live your life the way I'm asking you to live it, go right, go left, whatever it is, 
God is saying to us, man, I'm never going to drop you. I'm always going to hold you up. And, and the scripture that comes to mind for this uh, it's Proverbs 3, 5. And we dealt with it just last week. And I think I dealt with it another time in this series, but I'm emphasizing different parts. Take a look at this, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let him flip you. Uh, guys, uh, trust he's gonna catch you every time, right? And lean not on your own understanding. Remember, your own understanding is two plus two equals four. And sometimes going right seems right, but God says, no, I want you to go to the left. Uh, you don't see what's coming. I see what's coming. We talked about that last week. In all your ways, submit to him. There's, there's consecration. I'm totally surrendered. I'm totally submitted to you, Lord God. And he's saying, do that in every area of your life with everything God asks you to do. And then it goes on to read, and he will make your path straight or direct your feet. And God is just saying something here. Look at it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And consecration begins with trust. So all of this is saying, you know what, God? I don't necessarily agree with what you're asking me to do, how you're asking me to live, but I'm consecrated. When you're consecrated, you say, you know what, God, I'm gonna trust you on this one. Don't really wanna do it, but I'm gonna trust you on this one, right? I'm gonna just do what you're asking me to do, live the way you're asking me to live. And here's what God promises. Listen to this. This is amazing. Psalm 37, five, entrust your ways to the Lord, trust him, and he will act on your behalf. That means he'll show up. And God's saying, if you trust me, I'll show up every single time. You can be in pain. You might've just went through a terrible loss or life has thrown you some curves. He says, I'll show up. Just trust me. Trust me. And I always show up. You can, you can be guaranteed. He'll catch you with those arms. He'll catch you in the flip. Listen to this. One more, Isaiah 26.3. I love this one. He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. And I can look back at my life over 40 years as a Christian, and I consecrated my life probably three months in. I just decided I'm gonna consecrate and surrender. And I know, I know some young people here, they're just doing exactly what I did. I'm so proud of you guys. I, I look at you and I smile every time I see you. And so many of you have done that at all different ages, right? And it just blesses me. But, but here's what it says. I look back at my life and and I can tell you, life has thrown me a lot of curves, thrown all of us a lot of curves, right? And here's the thought, though. I've walked in peace through it all. Sometimes when it first hits you, you're sucker punched, right? And it takes a little bit to get, get yourself together. But it's amazing that you and I can walk through this life and be in peace. We can walk through the financial situation going on now and be in peace, knowing, hey, God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not gonna worry about it. I trust God's gonna catch me in midair if he has to. I trust he's gonna catch you in midair if he has to. And so trust is the beginning of consecration where you can say, all right, I'll lay it down. And I look back and I say, God's never let me down. He's never let me down. Here's the second thing, and this is really important too. Consecration is motivated by love. So we need to clean off our trust, make sure we're trusting him, and then understand consecration is motivated by love, and that's referring to how much God loves us. And when we discover how much God loves us, it just is so easy to consecrate our lives to him. And back in January, I did a lesson on tithing and giving, and I taught all three services, and then I greeted after second, uh, after 11 o'clock, and, and then I went to my office and I just was upset with myself. I wanted to just kick myself. I was so upset. And here's why I was upset. I thought, Lord, I didn't say the most important thing. Sometimes as a preacher, you say everything but not the most important thing. 
And I, was, I thought, the next time I teach on this subject, I'm, I'm going to mention this, but I, I saw an opportunity here, and here's all I want to say. The very reason we do anything, giving, serving, anything we do, forgiving, loving like Jesus loved, we do it because of his love for us. We, we serve him, we live for him, we're generous. We do everything out of love. And I felt, man, I should have said that and I didn't say it, so now I'm saying it. But guys, it's true. Our consecration is just saying, God, I surrender to you. It's all a result of us becoming aware of how much he loves us. And listen to this, 1 John 4, 9. Uh, so you see, our love for him comes as a result of his loving us first. Another translation says, we love him because he first loved us. And here's what I've learned. If I forget how much he loves me, it's hard to love him. But remember what is said in light of his mercies, let's present our bodies as a living sacrifice. In light of what he did for us, how much he loved us, let's surrender ourselves. So in order for me to surrender, I have to come to a place in my life where I remind myself of how much God loves me. And I'm doing this because you love me. I'm going to love you. I'm going to follow you because you love me. I'm going to live for you because you love me. I'm going to consecrate my life because you loved me. And I'm going to trust you, Lord God, because you'll never let me down. So we want to polish those two things up. Here's a really cool section on love. You guys ready? God loving us. Romans 8, 37. But despite all this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. He's talking about, they're talking about all the problems we have in life. But he says, in spite of all this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. So we love him because he died or gave his life for us. And I love what it goes on to say. Verse 38, for I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today and our worries for tomorrow. And isn't that true, guys, right? I mean, we're living in a day where there's a lot of fears for today. We're wondering, what does tomorrow uh, hold? How much are my groceries going to be in a month? How much is gas going to be in a month, right? It goes on to say, verse 39, or where we are. High above the sky, God was prophesying there'll be airplanes, right? Or the deepest ocean. He's saying there's going to be subs someday. It says nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. So just think about it. Remind yourself of it. He hung on that tree. He became sin, and he died for all of our sins. He died so we can live. God placed the sins of the whole world on him, and he went through all that death all that suffering because he loves you. That's how much God loves you. It's an amazing thing. Remind yourself of that. And there's nothing that could ever separate you from the love of God. So why is it that we consecrate our life to God? The consecrated life is your best life. Why do we consecrate ourselves to God? Because he loved us so much. We love him because he loved us. And that's the motivation for everything we should do in God every time we obey God. So I want to paint a picture and become very practical now with what does it mean to be consecrated. If you're consecrated, this is what your life's going to look like. And I'll say it this way. Consecration results in submission or total surrender. Not to me, but to God. Totally surrendered. And there's a phrase in the Bible that when I was a young Christian, I didn't know what it meant. It's an interesting phrase. And it says, God said of David, who eventually became king, he was a shepherd boy when God first said this, God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. 
And I thought, what does that mean? It took me a year or two to figure out what it means. And then I figured out what it means. And you find this being spoken of in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So take a look at it in the New Testament, Acts 13, 22. But God removed Saul. He was the first king. He removed him as king and replaced him with David, the second king, who was a shepherd boy, a man about whom God said, and I want him to say this about you and I too, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Here's what it means. He will do everything I want him to do. And to have a heart after God just simply means we come to a place in our life where we say, God, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what you want. I want to, I want to know how you want me to live. And we pursue God's heart and God's desires. And that's having a heart after God. That's what David was. That's a picture of surrender. And yet when we talk about surrender, guys, here's, here's something else that happens. Uh, surrender will hurt at first. It's always painful at first. And we see Jesus dealing with surrender. He was consecrated, but he had to deal with it. And I want to make sure I preface this correctly. Jesus was the son of God who always existed, but he came into a human body. And when he came into a human body, that human body didn't want to do everything God wanted him to do. And when he went to the garden after the, the last supper and just before they arrested him, he was struggling not Jesus, the son of God, but the body he was living in. And that's the same kind of body we live in, guys. And he was struggling so bad. And listen to what the Bible says, Matthew 26, verse 38. Then Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The soul is not the real Jesus. That's part of his humanity, right? Our soul is part of our humanity. Your spirit man's been born again. It's creating God's image. Jesus, who created everything, is in a body, but he's dealing with his soul like we do. It goes on to say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And here's all he's saying. The cup is going to Calvary, dying on the cross, God putting the sins of the whole world, God the Father on, on Jesus, God the Son. And here's what Jesus is saying. Look at what he's dealing with. We deal with it too. But then God graces us. Uh, man, a consecrated life is your best life. And he graces us. And he graced Jesus to go on. But here's what Jesus is saying. God, if we can save humanity any other way, can we do that? And he already knew he couldn't, but his soul is doing what we do. It's just struggling. God, if we could do this any other way, God, can we just make them do 100 jumping jacks? And if they do 100 jumping jacks, they get to go to heaven. Or God, can we do it by their works? How can we get them to heaven a different way? And he's literally crying out to God, is there another way to do this? Not Jesus the creator, but Jesus the creator who's in a human body and his soul's crying out, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And that Listen to what he said, not my will, your will be done. That's submission. That's consecration. So he was consecrated. His goal was whatever God the Father wants, I'll do. But his body was saying, I don't want to do it. I think there were some days when Jesus got up and said, I don't want to be Jesus today. Not, not Jesus, the Son of God, but his flesh, his body saying, can I have a day off? I, I don't want to go preach to the multitudes. I don't want to, I, I, I need some rest, right? And, and it's like, no, you got you, you to go do what you got to do. But his, his, his heart was not my will, your will be done. And you know what, guys? That's what God's asking us to do. And I think there's always a pain point as for, at first. And I want to, I want to share a Joe, Joe story with you. I accepted Christ at 19, and it was in the fall, and I turned 20 in December. And so uh, now I'm 20, 
and I'm having this incredible debate with God, and it's over sexual activity outside of marriage. And I was sexually active before I met Jesus. And uh, then I met him, and I, I just thought, well, I, I didn't even think about it. But then I start hearing sermons, and then I start hearing um, or reading the Bible, and the Bible paints the picture that it's created for the marriage union. And so I had this debate with God, and it was quite a fight. And I'm just saying, God, you created it. It's, it's not bad. It's good. Why can't I do it? Why can't I do it before I'm married, right? I'll just do it. Lord, I'll date one girl at a time and do it, Lord. And I hadn't met Gina yet, so, so just so you know that. But uh, we met three years later. But I'm like, God, come on now, God. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm having this big fight with God and uh, debate. And then finally one day, because I, I was consecrated. I had surrendered to God. But man, you run into some scriptures, and it's like, I don't know if I want to surrender that part. And so we're arguing about that. And then finally, I just said, all right, Lord, I surrender this to you. And I have to admit, it was painful for a little while, right? And I remember the first date I went on after I was a Christian. And so I'm still 20. I went on this first date. And I take this girl out, and then we end up going to her place. Nobody's home. And then she becomes aggressive on the couch. And I'll just never forget standing up because God graces you. Your best life is consecrated. He gave me a grace. And I stood up, and, and, and then I said to her, I said, you're going to think I'm weird. This isn't about you, but I made a decision to stay sexually pure until I'm married. And I said, so I'm leaving. And I said, I know you're going to tell people we worked at the same place. You're going to tell people I'm weird where we work, and that's okay. But I'm, just, I'm doing this not because of you, but because I, I made a promise to Jesus. I'm following the scripture. And I ran to my car. And that night, I had to take a cold shower when I got home. But I ran to my car. I did. I did. But here's what happened, guys. God eventually, it was tough. There was a little suffering at first, but eventually God just gave me a grace, and I ended up walking in that grace until I was married, guys. And you know what? That's a tough one. That's a big one, but I share it. Always, I always share that for the young people to help them out because I was a young person. I know it's hard to believe, but I was young at once. So I share that, guys. And then, and then but it's still, I'm still dealing with it today in other ways, and here's how I'm dealing with it today. I read a scripture that I'm supposed to pray for politicians, and I don't want to sometimes. There's a few politicians I'm like, do I have to pray for them, God? I don't, I don't really like them, and I don't really want to pray for them. And, 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 and then here's what I do, because I'm consecrated. I say, all right, not my will, but your will be done. And you know what happens? God gives me peace. God gives me this great peace because I made a decision to just walk and do what God does. Sometimes God wants us to forgive somebody, and it's like, do I? Do I have to, God? I don't really want to forgive them. You, do you realize what they did to me? And then I just make a decision. I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to just do what God wants. And then here's what happens every single time, guys. You ready? God gives you a grace, and then you end up walking in a peace and in a joy, and there's something about surrendering to God. The, the consecrated life is your best life. And that's why I say the happiest people on planet Earth are the ones that say, I surrender. And I look back at my life now. I can look back, you know, 40 plus years that I've known Christ. And I look back at my life and, and I'm just amazed. Like I met Jean about three years after what I just shared with you. And I, I wanted to marry her just because she was pretty. And uh, I didn't realize that God created her for me, you know? And so we get married, and then as we're married, I keep seeing all these gifts God placed inside of her, and I'm like, whoa, 
Man, I didn't know that was there. I, I just married you because you were pretty. I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that was in there. And it's like, whoa. And then I think, what if I would have allowed myself to do what I wanted to do? I probably would have had to get married before I ever met Gina and so on, things like that, right? Or I would have been so cloudy, I might have walked away from God in my cloudiness. And I'm just so thankful I just made a decision and God gave me a grace, and God will give you a grace in every area of your life. When God deals with you, I want you to live your life and serve me. This is what I want you to do for me, and you make a decision to do it, God's going to grace you. You're going to be able to do it. When you're reading scriptures, whatever they are, you say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm telling you, it hurts at first, but then God's going to grace you, and you're going to be amazed as you walk in this peace, and you're going to be amazed that God shows up, because God always shows up. God's the God that shows up, and you're trusting him. I'll do what you you say, I know I don't want to, God, but I'm going to do it. He catches you. And then he also, he also makes it your best life because you're trusting him. So as I get ready to close, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we can trust God. Are you thankful God's going to always catch you? Are you thankful he loved you first? Can we give it up for God? Say, thank you, Lord God. That's exciting. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Man, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person listening to the Word of God today, listening to you and the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts as I speak. And Lord, none of us are perfect. No perfect people are allowed. David wasn't perfect. He was consecrated, but not perfect. He sinned. We all sin. We all blow it. We all make mistakes. But Lord, here's what's most important. We want to come to a place to where we say, in light of your mercies, in light of your love, trusting you, we're going to surrender our life to the Word of God. We're going to surrender our lives to your will for our lives. We just surrender. And if you're listening to my voice right now, maybe in Boardman, maybe the guys at TCI, maybe online, maybe here in Warren, you say, you know what? My consecration has become pretty dusty. Just right now, just say, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe it off. And I'm going to begin to trust you that you'll never lead me down the wrong path. And Lord... I'm going to remind myself of how much you love me and I'm going to do everything because you loved me first and you, your mercies are just amazing, Lord God. And some of you, it's just time to say, you know what, Lord, I, I consecrate anew to you. Others, you came in here consecrated. I'm so proud of you. But some, you're just saying, I consecrate anew to you, Lord God. And there's going to be that one little area, some scripture, one place or another where God's going to deal with you He's going to deal with you that, hey, I'd like you to follow this. And it will hurt at first. You'll, you'll have your Gethsemane moment like Jesus did. But then once you do it, God will grace you. He graced Jesus to go to the cross. He'll grace you to live the way he wants you to live. And everything will change. So, Father, the most important thing, my motive, we say we're consecrated to you. Thank you, Lord God. And I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But if you're listening... And you're not sure if you're forever. You're not sure if you were to die, you go to heaven or hell. Uh, maybe you walked in not being sure God existed, or you walked in saying, hey, I, I've been in church my whole life, but the question I'm asking is, do you know Christ? Can you remember a moment when you said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I'm going to follow you. Oh, what an incredible moment. It's an amazing moment. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're listening, you say, you know what, Pastor Joe? That's me. I'm ready to pray and accept Christ. He said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Would you pray with me right now? The rest of us, can we all help them? Let's do it together. Say, Father God, I realize I was born sin-stained. 
and I need a Savior. I repent of my sins, and I make a decision today to look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died for the sins of the entire world. God raised you from the grave, and you're alive. You're my Savior, the world's Savior. I accept you as my Savior right now and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you, miracles happen. God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. You know what else is happening? The Bible teaches us that if you prayed that prayer, all of heaven is now rejoicing. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.